All righty, here we are. It's summer and the Wheelhouse podcast is up to episode 70-something. My name's Joel Spreadborough, Catherine Bates. What, what, 73, isn't it? 73! Wee! It is, I mean, we don't quite have as many Christmas baubles uh, in the bunker, Joel, as I expected. And I think that's because um, I'm out of town today and I think Merck's has probably removed all the tinsel uh, and all the baubles. I'm very much in the Christmas spirit. Uh, Merxy, where have all the Christmas decorations gone? We had some budget cuts. We had to sell some stuff. <laughs> we'll bring some from home next week. Okay. Uh, okay. Is, we're all, all right. about balance here at the wheelhouse. So Kate levelled the accusation. Merxy was given the right of reply. And I think the conclusion is that there will be tinsel in, in future. Tinsel and in baubles. Future. Cycling themed, I hope. That would make a lot of sense. And mistletoe. And miss oh yes. mistletoe. Uh, how's your week been, Catherine? It has been excellent. I'm just uh, I'm loving the off season for both myself and uh, the wonderful exploits we see from our athletes. Uh, but we're gearing up to Christmas, and I'm starting to think about all of those you know potential bike rides I can go on. Oh I yeah, been absolutely. On my bike enough to be honest. Uh, it's been exceptionally hot, so some of those bike rides might be done uh, in in the bunker at home. Uh, with the fan uh, because it's like 39, 40 degrees uh, Celsius here at the moment. So, Ooh. yeah, a bit of a, a little what, bit tough. Why are you in a T-Mobile kit? Yeah. What's that about? I know. Well, that's a good question. I'm in my T-Mobile kit um, firstly because um, I'm in the process of moving some of my things and I, I don't have a lot of clothes here, I'll be honest. Uh, and apparently um, turning up with nothing on, you know, is not appropriate <laughs> for our genre. Uh, that's okay. the first. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, and the second reason is because we're, we're going to talk about a few little things uh, T-Mobile-esque. And uh, look, I've got to be honest, the third reason is very ego-driven and it's because it's my T-Mobile jersey uh, from when I raced. And the fact that it still fits me brings me a lot of joy uh, and reassurance. Okay. So that's my outfit for the day. That's yeah. fantastic. I, I just want to circle back quickly to coming to work naked is not appropriate for the genre. Do you mean the genre... Of cycling, yes, um, okay. or sport, or sport. you know, general workplace. Just, um, I think, I think OnlyFans is possibly the only genre that it could be appropriate for, okay. and I can confirm it's not a workplace I operate in. We'll have to ask Nick Kyrgios uh, for his thoughts on that. <laughs> uh, the, the newest member of OnlyFans. Okay, no worries at all. Uh, is hot. I'm going to say I've snuck out for a few, and in this part of the world where the bunker is, we won't reveal the secret location. But just south of here, a brand new Velo Way has just opened up. Now, when I moved wow. to Brisbane from Sydney uh, three years ago, this was under construction. And I was just starting mm. to fall in love with, with, with bikes and cycling. I've always loved bikes, but falling in love with the, you know, the sport at an elite level. And I, I remember driving past it for the first time going, cannot wait to ride my bike on that. That is so cool. And it has taken three and a half years. And I finally went for my first ride on it the other day. Exceptional. Uh, Kate, it was so good. I clocked up uh, 30 odd Ks, most of them at a pretty good clip, I have to say, because it lives up to its name as a Veloway. It's quite, quite pacey. And I was like, this mm. is great. You know, I'm just absolutely cruising here. A, a, a nice little slope down, beautiful. And then I realized 15 kilometers in, what goes down must, of course, come must. up. Uh, and the it ride must. back was rather punishing. And as you say, those, those <laughs> tops, we're not quite at the 39 degree, uh, but it, it was, ooh, let me tell you, two pieces of steak for a chamois that day. 
let me it's tell you. It's a two-stake day. Hashtag. You, you know, it's if we serious. can get that trending over the summer, we are winning. <laughs> day. You know, it's a serious business when you need two steaks shoved down your pants. Now, Kate, uh, let's start with some serious news this week. Now, the the, the saga, mm. an off-season saga that has been dominating the headlines, uh, is of course the Cian Oedebrook's bullying controversy. Now, this mm. all, of course, started with his transfer, um, leaving Bora Hansgrower, going over to Yumbo and then they're basically mm. being hang on hey whoa 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 no no you're not going anywhere and then the can of worms it's like you're shoving your hand into a can of worms and you get further down there's more worms and it gets gross mm. and more gross uh allegations of bullying uh from his time at Bora now this has this has rocked rocked the off-season, so much so that it's our lead item today. And in the off-season, for something serious to be our lead item is very, very significant, Kate. Uh, yeah, given what else is going up on the show, I would definitely say um, that we try to avoid the serious issues in the off-season um, and have a bit of fun. Uh, we are mostly factual, exactly. But we have thrown um, this in today because it's quite extraordinary, actually, how it's played out on social media first came the announcement uh from the writer himself saying i'm on the move this is so exciting uh next came the announcement from yumbo yay great to have him next ooh, and this is where it all went pear-shaped came the announcement from bora hansgrower uh-uh the statement we have not let him go he remains on contract now and into 2024 there is nothing to announce here there are so many elements of this that we can go into you can't go past the human element. Mm -hmm. Like obviously this young kid wants out um, for all of the reasons that we can discuss. Uh, but from just a purely process perspective, how does this even happen? How does a writer sign with another team when the other team hasn't let him go? The UCI is meant to be in the middle with all of the papers signed to sign off on this. Clearly process hasn't been followed WTF UCI, are we really surprised uh, that the ball's been dropped in that court? Um, but ultimately, I want to front foot this with, this is interesting to talk about. So many people are sitting back with their popcorn, eagerly going, oh, how is this going to play out? What's going on? But there's a 20-year-old kid, kid in Belgium who doesn't now know what his future looks like, is being mocked relentlessly by memes on the internet. It's now come up that he feels like he's been bullied. What an absolute mess. For a rider who has been spoken about as the next Remco in cycling, mm -hmm. this should not be happening. It was uh, Dutch journalist Thies Zunneveld raising these allegations of bullying. And also, hang on just one second, mm. Kate. I've just got a message. Sorry. Merksy, what about Kate this morning? I know. The Kate mm. group. Yeah. Uh, the anti-Cian <laughs> group. Now, a WhatsApp group where the best, the rest of the... The team, and this is what the journalists who, who raised it said, that they're treating the kid like he's kind of a nerd. And they've basically created a group chat to bitch and gossip mm. about Sian and Sian's antics. Now, regardless mm. of Sian and Sian's character, I don't know anything about him. I've never met the guy. Uh, I know that he's very, very young, um, still developing certain aspects emotionally and all of that kind of thing, mm. and it, it operating at an elite level in a very high-pressure sport. Um, and unless he has done something really, really bad to the rest of his team, and even then, I'm not sure it's okay, uh, this kind of bullying, it absolutely doesn't wash. And you, you wonder what Bora are thinking with the whole 
no, no, you're not going anywhere. It's like, you, you, why do you want to keep, like, especially mm. now, it's never going to work out. This is, this is never going to be okay. Let the kid go. Just get it over and done with. And as for those, the rest of those riders, give them a very severe first and last warning when it comes to the way you treat your teammates and you embrace especially younger members of your team, is, is my thoughts. I think it's pathetic. Yeah, I think when it comes to bullying, people often think about the kind of harassment element, um, the physical intimidation or abuse. You know, often we're seeing kind of pictures of kids being pushed over uh, in the schoolyard or something like that. But social exclusion is a really big thing. And having a group where this one athlete is excluded when they're all supposed to be a team, part of being a team uh, in that kind of high-pressure environment absolutely requires uh, everybody to be on the same page and to be very honest and open in their communication. It's absolutely not okay. And that massively sabotages uh, this kid's performance. And so regardless of, and there's been a lot of back and forth, right? A lot of people on social media have now gone after Bora Hansker and said, you're all bullies and you should be ashamed of yourselves. And then there's another school of people who've come out and said, well, that's ridiculous. He needs to toughen up. Um, you know, what is the middle ground? I think it's a quite a complicated one, but at the end of the day, if a 20 year old is feeling socially excluded, like he's not part of it, he's upset, he wants to terminate a really lucrative contract with one of the most successful teams, red flags are going. Yeah. Um, I can also say that Bernie Eisel, uh, who's the team manager at Bora, who's come out and said, it's not true, we didn't bully them. He's a good guy. I know him to be a good guy. I raced with him on T-Mobile. He was one of the kindest uh, and most thoughtful athletes on the team. However, I don't think that if he really understands what happens, that he really understands what bullying is because you can't socially exclude someone uh, and make them feel essentially like crap and make them want to leave and then turn around and say, ah, but he made problems. He's a kid. Um, and so I, I don't even think... Bora's retort uh, has any weight. And I think if you want to strip it all back, the reality, Joel, is this should never have played out in the media. No. It's horrendous for everybody involved. It should not have played out. And something has gone wrong. And I reckon you've got to 100% blame his manager for this. Because if Yumbo definitely think that he's free, then they're doing the right thing. Maybe they should have looked at the paperwork better. Mm. Um, if Bora is saying absolutely this hasn't happened, um, then what on earth is the manager doing and how can he shepherd a 20-year-old into this mess? He's the one, um, I think, who we should really be saying, you've created this drama. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Merksy has a thought. Oh, no, I was just going to say, maybe the manager wasn't aware and maybe it was just the bike riders themselves that, you know, we're doing the bullying. I, I, okay, I think if, if it yeah. is that, and if it is that in-house, within the in-house... As in Bora's manager. Find out who started the group and get rid of them. Mm. Get rid of a poisonous yeah. element in the team. Whoever did it, whoever set that up should not be part of that team. Bora, optically, are looking a little bit, you know, bullish themselves um, with the tra the transfer demand. I believe one million euros as well this kid has already started training he's in spain training with yumbo he's wearing unmarked kit he's in a, mm. a world of uncertainty and he's obviously 
got this on his mind, as you do when bullying occurs. It's not pretty. It's not. It's not friendly. The repercussions can be severe. But if the manager is, I, th- I agree with Merck. Like, the manager's not a- aware of it. Find out who has driven it mm. and kick him out. Get rid of it. Yeah, but then I mean, like I can say that Bernie's such a great guy, and it would—it's hard to imagine him maliciously being part of something like that. But he's still not doing his job if he doesn't know this is going on. Like he should be all over that. He, he should. should be so tapped in and dialed into what's going on that this shouldn't be able to occur. Culturally, they have a problem, and he also needs, um, I think, to have a better statement saying, from my view, there was certainly nothing intentional, but. It's horrible that an athlete would feel like that and we need to look into it. So I also think that there's a fail on that side, like lots of fails around the um, around the place here. But, I mean, this isn't the first time that an athlete has wanted out of a team, even though they've been contracted um, to do it. And Bradley Wiggins is one of the biggest examples. In 2010, he headed over to Sky. He was still contracted um, to Garmin Slipstream at the time. And rumour had it back then that it was a seven-figure sum, which was Oof. a seven-figure sum is big now, but 13 years ago, uh, proportionally even bigger, right? But they got it done. He was able to race and he was able to find some comfort and some peace in that. He then went on to win the Tour de France uh, with Sky a couple of years later. So it's not that this doesn't happen. It's how it's handled. Um, another great example is Wout van Aert. And he actually had to pay 662,000 euros um, himself, which is a big sum of money. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a cool million Aussie dollars yep. uh, to his team when he went over to Yumbo. That was to sniper cycling uh, because he also skipped out um, on his contract uh, when it still, still had a year left to run. This is going to happen. We, we've talked about it with Sam Bennett. We talk about it with Caleb Ewan. If they're miserable and they want out, let yeah. them leave. Nobody's getting any benefit out of that. But also you can't have a free-for-all where riders can just not honour contracts. Uh, and no, so there has not. been buyouts and there has been, you know, arrangements made. And that's where this is a failure because clearly um, Sian's manager has not done that. And so everybody feels pretty aggrieved now. Yeah, And every all the fans are taking sides. You know, now half. Half of the fans think that um, Bora are disgraceful. People are saying Yumbo are disgraceful. People are saying this kid's out of line. Like, yeah, what a mess. It is a mess. And I think like if a, if a, if a rider is skipping out on a team just because they're like, eh, meh, couldn't be bothered being here, then sure, penalise them. If there's something bigger issue, if there's a cultural mm-hmm. issue that this is unpacking, and I'm sure Bernie is a lovely guy, but stronger leadership is absolutely required, more decisive leadership. And don't go public when you don't know what's uh-huh. going on. For God's sake, it's just... No, yeah. And, and, I mean, this is the point of athlete managers, right? Because a 20-year-old young athlete is very unlikely to be able to sift through a contract and understand all the implications and have the skills to do all of this kind of negotiating, especially when there's hostilities. Uh, So the athletes need a bit more protection here. And let's not forget this rider, uh, Sian Oiderbrooks, is being described as the next Remco as well. So we're not just talking about a, a middling talent here. We're talking about a, no. a very serious prospect. Uh, team would be happy to have him snap him up, find a way to make him gel. The, the, the thing will, will be mm. when the Yumbo thing, if and when the Yumbo thing clears up, 
if this then happens again and uh, teammates and him become alienated once again, it's like, okay, maybe we have a little bit of a personality issue here. But at this stage, I'm seeing a, a reading about a 20-year-old who's uh, in a world of hurt, essentially, and um, just wanting to get the fire truck out of there. See what I did there, yes, Kate? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Well, yeah. and I wish him all the best because I really hate um, to think that he's now caught in the middle of this and legal action, and, and that's certainly not a way for an athlete to be able to prosper um and i can see his you know his off season really suffering like you can't go out and train and just put this all aside you you can't realistically it's just not possible for him to get the best out of himself get all the sleep and recovery he needs and the quality uh with all of this hanging over his head so i just want to see a good outcome and to be honest i don't care about the teams like they've made this mess they can fix it sort it out um yeah this rider just deserves to be able to get on with it and, um, you know, and, and to that point, Joel, if he said to his agent, I want out, I'm just going to leave, the agent, it was his job to say, no, you can't. But obviously the agent has said, no worries, I'll go negotiate with this other mob. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, cr- I'm cranky about that point, aren't I? <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> That's look, my I, biggest point. <laughs> I'm hearing you. Sometimes, sometimes people want to mm-hmm. leave. Like you said, Sian, Wout Van Aert, Merksy every other week wants to leave us because we're absolute <laughs> chaos. Hello, Merksy. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there, devil's advocate. What if he's just an obnoxious brat? Yes. And he just is like, get me out of here. I'm glad that's you said that. That's pretty harsh on, on Bora. Because just saying. That's why I bring up the thing is that if, if Yumbo, if it, in a year from now, it's like mm. something similar happens at Yumbo, it's like, okay, maybe we're looking at that. But that at the no. moment is, you know, that's innocent until proven guilty. Hold on. Who cares if he's an obnoxious brat? If he's an obnoxious brat and says, I want to get the heck out of here, then his agent should have said, cool, but you're legally not allowed to. And Yumbo should have said, we really want you, but legally we're not allowed to take you. Like it should just still be process driven. And even if he is, you know, a little bit painful or a spoiled brat or whatnot. And again, we're not saying he is, we don't know him. Um, But like it, it shouldn't even be the deciding factor here. Okay. Yep. Fair enough. Well, a lot to unpack with this one, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll just see. I, I, I definitely don't agree with an all verse one WhatsApp group. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. But uh, mm-hmm. once again, just the administration, the handling of it. Again, the UCI and the way contracts and, you know, these regulations are upheld sometimes leaves a little bit, just a tiny, just a tiny, tiny little bit to be desired. Just a tiny, tiny little bit on mm. the wheelhouse podcast episode 70 something yes. something kate bates um <laughs> now women's giro uh we've got some mm. news we've got some some rcs sport it's funny when i first saw this i thought wow our wonderful production studio river city studios is involved with the women's giro but no it's not river city studios rcs not not yet anyway but rcs sport uh running the event from next year Catherine. indeed and they were meant to announce the uh, course earlier in the year concurrent to the men they didn't so we've all been waiting and boy has it been worth the wait because this is an absolute cracker uh, seven stages starts with um, a 14.3 kilometer time trial uh, the queen stage is up finishes on top of the blockhouse, which is um, a mountain that you know my sprinter legs have certainly never wanted to climb uh, <laughs> and then another mountain finish on the final day 
it's a really important race in 2024 because it is the lead-in um, to the Olympics. So it is 7th to 14th uh, of July. The Olympics are then on the 27th for the time trial, uh, the 4th of August for the road race. And this will be the last really big race for a lot of the athletes to prepare. Uh, it really elevates the status of the race in that way. Uh, and it means that certainly we're going to see a lot of the Aussies uh, in action and the the riders getting ready for the Olympics um, will all be there. So that's exciting, exciting to watch. Uh, but I think more broadly, it's really exciting that for the first time, the Women's Giro d'Italia uh, is now a respected real event. And I did 10 of the damn things. Yeah. And I'm not saying they weren't real. They certainly felt real um, on my back and my butt. But I do think that Two this is a race. really big elevation. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a triple staker, uh, that one, Joel. <laughs> it was a triple staker. Uh, yeah, but it's, you know, we've got a lot of Aussies that will really be looking forward to this race. And we've had a lot of stage victories over the years, actually. Uh, you know, back in my day, Rochelle Gilmore had a few stage wins um, with in the sprinting stages because she was such a great sprinter. Um, Beck McConnell uh, was also won a stage with um, a team time trial we don't like team time i don't like team time trials um, so they're not in anymore but australia has a great history in the race and i just see this as a really great elevation um for the aussie element of the sport but it's also it's a great course for the for the italian hopes too uh, because sylvia persico it's a great course for her gaia raiolini who we saw uh really grow last year um at the women's tour de france these are the athletes who are, who are going to be nailing it on the front is it too early to get excited? I don't know. Ne- never don't know. too early. Why, why not? I have a, not? A, a spanner, though, because it's less than oh. two weeks before the start of the Olympics. So it, does that mean there's a slight risk that some of the more high-profile, established, mm. assured athletes might say, ah, oh, I'll give it a miss because I'm thinking about Paris? Look, generally not, the exception being um, the more pure time trialers. So you might see athletes like Chloe Digert who could win that opening stage and take the pink jersey uh, and get some great preparation. She may choose not to do it because for her the time trial uh, is the really big aim and it's kind of not worth it. But you do need to prepare for racing by racing and uh, that does come with some of the risk of it and some of the nervousness, absolutely, but most of the men will be preparing at the Tour de France um, to also go. And we, we know how often um, the men fall off multiple times at a Tour de France. <laughs> yeah. um, so there is, there is a risk. But I actually think it will um, mean that we have a really top quality field there. Uh, and it, it, if anything, the women's Tour de France may be um, affected on the other end because uh, the track cycling at the Olympics doesn't finish until the 11th of August. The Women's Tour de France starts on the 12th. Uh, so logistically, riders like Lotta Capecchi, uh, how do you get from um, Paris at 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. on a Sunday um, to where you need to go for the for the Tour de France the next morning? So, you know, I actually think, in it, if anything, it elevates the status of the Women's Giro. Yeah, no, well, very well said. There you go. So... The tour might be the one instead that uh, feels that impact. Mm. Uh, the Wheelhouse Podcast. Mm. Now, staying on the women's side of the sport for now, Kate, uh, women's world tour teams confirmed during the week as well. You've always got the inside track on this. Any surprises? Any shocks? No, there's no real surprises, to be honest. Um, there was only one team that applied that got left out, and that's Laboral Cookster. 
uh, and they're a Spanish team. All the big hitters were all there. Um, so for the women, the SD Works, who was our top team, Team DSM, Canyon SRAM, Movistar, um, Jayco Alula, all of these teams will be back um, and guaranteed um, some racing. So not much to see here, but we had 17 Aussie women uh, in the world tour last year, which is huge, by the way. Like that's an in- incredible number um, of female athletes and something I think we can be really proud of. Uh, and we're looking uh, next year to maybe bump that over 20. So squads are still being um, confirmed, uh, but I think that there's a few spots available on some of the uh, teams just to see what happens early season uh, next year and with some of the riders. So uh, good news for the Aussie women again on, on that front. And, yeah, no real surprises. I look forward, Joel, to when there's an up depth in the women's teams that we are starting to see uh, that battle for the last World Tour spot like we are seeing in the men, but we're not quite there. Okay, well, we're, 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 you listed off a couple of, of the big hitters uh, team-wise as well, so let's throw ahead mm. to January uh, and all eyes on Adelaide, of course, the Tour Down Under. Now, I've asked this question before. I'm going to ask it again. Um, <laughs> why the why the fire truck are the likes of SD Works and some of those bigger teams mm. not jumping on the jet plane and coming down under, Kate? Yeah, it's a good, it is, it's a good one. It's a good question. Uh, Your big teams like SD Works um, choose not to come to the Tour Down Under because the UCI allows the women, uh, the women's world tour teams, to skip world tour races. Now, I'm not on board with this because it affects the organisers quite um, proportionally. Like, it's horrible to think that, the Santos Tour Down Under is not going to get all the teams because the UCI gives them the choice and Australia's a long way away and it could be expensive. Uh, it shouldn't be like that, in my view. They should all be headed down under, but we will still um, miss a few of the of the bigger teams who haven't confirmed yet. The exciting news, though, uh, is that a lot of the Aussie riders, we were just talking, we've got 17 in the World Tour at the moment. This will be an exceptionally important uh, race for them, and so they are all coming with the absolute crack squads, Jaco Alula uh, have announced who they're bringing. And it is, um, I was about to say breakfast of champions. I must be hungry or something. Um, it is like the hit list um, of Aussie athletes. And if we look back at 2023, we had eight pro wins from the Aussies, from the Aussie women. Um, four of them were world tour wins. Three of those were at the tour down under. And the other one, the fourth one, was Grace Brown in stage four at the Tour of Scandinavia. Uh, So that just shows how important the Tour Down Under is. Mm. When we think about World Tour victories by nation, what we're really talking about is qualifying spots, not only for the Olympics, uh, but also for the World Championships and where your country is ranked as a nation. So for Australia, this is such an important race. So can I say that controversially, on one hand, it's a real bummer to not get the likes of Demi Vollering and SD Works uh, and a lot of Kapeki coming down under for the for the tour. Uh, but on the flip side of that, it provides the Aussies a really good opportunity in their summer uh, with great form to win some big races, to get some really valuable points uh, and to really cement ourselves on the world stage. Because goodness knows, Joel, we've talked about it to death, how difficult it is for the Aussies to go to Europe, like how tough it is for the Aussies versus the Europeans uh, who are racing and then, you know, going home for a roast lamb mm. on a Sunday night, probably not a roast lamb given the Europeans, but <laughs> you get my drift. Uh, and so it is really good to see that all of the Aussie teams are continuing to really prioritise it. 
I, I, I look, I would like to see a demi demonstration of demi volering down under I, I will say yes. i think you know best a demonstration. i love how it's like the aussies we have, they'll have to come to it you come to mm. us and do your best and they perform really well but it's like your chance mm. to come down under nah nah i'll give mm. it a miss not gonna come that's okay and it's big for you to say you've got issue with that um with the uci there because you usually very much see eye to eye i do uh, <laughs> with the uci eye to eye with the uci I mm. how <laughs> unusual for me to have a Criticism of the UCI, I know. but they do bear so much power, Joel. Yes, and with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> okay, let's have a look <laughs> right? at the Alula yeah. Jaco lineup. Uh, so Georgia Baker, Georgie Howe, Alex Manley, of course, who did very well uh, last year with that stage win. Yes. Uh, Ruby Rosman Gannon, Ella Ella Wiley, the Kiwi, the, the rogue Kiwi in the group. The young, she's only twenty one, I believe. Uh, welcome. We, mm. we we love adopting Kiwis. Oh. That's that's what we do. So yeah, we'll awesome. take her like we take Pavlova and Russell Crowe. You know it. Come on board. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am. You are. We are New Zealanders. <laughs> now, big one this week, Catherine uh, Bates. Now, episode seventy three. I think it probably would have been. I'm going to take an, a guess here. Probably around episode thirty, thirty three, when we got a bit sad about Ellen Van Dyke um, calling it quits. Fast forward 40-odd mm. episodes. She's back. EVD is back, Kate. She's back. We're excited because we got really excited uh, when Ellen Van Dyke came to Australia for the Wollongong World Championships, uh, and we even got to have a little bit of um, ridiculous banter about the um, wonderful prizes she was winning, if you recall. Absolutely. Um, Joel, she won a hamper of sex toys. Sex toys, yeah. Uh, if you haven't heard that episode, we won't we won't rehash it. Go back and find it. But Ellen then announced shortly thereafter um, that she, they were expecting their first child. So that was very exciting, but also a little bit of a bummer to see her out of the peloton. She gave birth in September, a little fast, the little boy. Yep. Uh, and she's now, she's back in training. She's back on training camp. And she's got her sights firmly set on the Paris Olympics and the time trial. She is eyeing it off. And uh, I tell you what, she's a woman on a mission and she's the kind of woman on a mission uh, where when she puts something in her crosshairs like that, she usually achieves it. So yeah. I would say that Grace Brown and Chloe Dargett um, took a took a double look at that article and made sure they, they read it right. Uh, and look, she said that she doesn't know honestly how difficult it will be to balance having a baby yep with um you know with the traveling and the preparations she's going to give it a crack she's committed to head to paris she qualifies after that it really depends on the impact it's having uh on her and um and the family so you know let's see how it goes some athletes are able to combine it um better than others some athletes find parenthood and it changes them a bit and they you know their goals and ambitions change too so I don't think we're one uh, to decide for her but certainly um, what a great day that the sports evolved to the point where it's actually their choice mm -hmm. um, whether they want to manage a family and an athletic career not uh, the sports choice like it was in the past yep no beautifully said and I think uh, with EVD obviously coming back targeting those Olympics, you may as well just tack on a few weeks because as we've just discussed with the scheduling, you'll get the, the TDF in as well. So it's only just, mm. just not, not an extra, a big extra commitment for Ellen Van Dyke. And, and you know what? This, this has the makings of 
of excellence around it because do well in the Olympics and then who knows, kick on for another year, win everything, shake up that world order, that sort of new world order that's been established and then say, uh, mic drop, see you later. I'm yeah, done. well, now I've, I've just been thinking, Joel, because we see a lot of photos of um, Demi Nation, Demi Vollering, training with her puppy dog on yes. her back. Oh, you um, can right? fast and we're on like, the... okay. oh, gosh, I'm wondering if you could pop fast in the little baby Bjorn and, uh, and get, still win. Get El- out <laughs> a little bit of, um, you know, resistance training. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to talk to the UCI to see how they feel about that on race day. Or may- maybe child services. Um, oh, that we, too. We, we might yeah. need to talk to them too. Oh, quick, quick, but, Kate, you know, look. Yeah, go through the idea. manual. There has to be a regulation somewhere about carrying a baby um, during a time mm. trial at the very least. We'll see. Oh, come on, Joel. I'm not suggesting she does it in racing. I'm just suggesting she does it in training. I reckon, um, I reckon although racing. Although there could be an interesting hill climb um, between Demi and her dog and Ellen and her baby, both Stra- Can you imagine it? She's punching yeah. up the hill and she's like, Badon, Badon, Badon. She goes, Oh, no, that's the baby's milk. No, I want water. <laughs> but anyway, we'll see. That'll be interesting. Uh, now, Kate, uh, we spoke on the uh, last episode, episode 72, again, about Caleb Ewan and uh, finding a new mm. home and being like, Okay, you know, they're not, you're not going to be the tour guy, but that's okay. You can build back up. Mm. But we do know that he has got some crosshairs out and he's targeting Cadell's. He's targeting. The, geo, the gore, what I like to call it. Um, the gore. Now, same management. Now, this is this is Jason Backer. We've, we've spoken about this before, sharing a management with Cadell. Um, what is there to see here, Kate? Other than his chest, it turns out. Yeah, he's got his rig out. He's been running around Centennial Park in Sydney um, doing a little bit of cross-training with some, some local footy athletes in Sydney, which I think is great because it shows a motivated athlete who's – doing something a little bit different. And we know that we, we know that Caleb needs that. Uh, but Jason Backer and Cadell, um, of course, own and run um, the Gore, the Great Ocean Road Race, um, supported by Victorian Tourism, I think, make it possible. Uh, and so I think for Cadell, um, for Caleb, sorry, almost the same names in an right? anagram. Interesting. A lot of symmetry Interesting here. to think about. Uh, he's been pretty close to winning there before. And I think it would just be quite a symbolic homecoming, especially with an Aussie team. Now he's riding for Jayco Alula uh, to be able to do that. And so I think that that's probably a big thing that is behind his goal, that he's really able to align um, with his mentors, with his management, um, with his Australian uh, hopes and and get it done. I mean, it would be cool. We want us, the fans want to see Caleb winning uh, full stop, but in Australia, even better. Yeah, look, absolutely, absolutely. We want to see Caleb back to that, back to that summit. Yep. So this is a, this is the start yep. of that. Good luck to him. Uh, now, Kate, have yeah. you how are you going with your Christmas shopping? Yes. Look, I think um, Caleb gave everybody an early Christmas present um, with some videos of him running with his rig out. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, you can't purchase such presents, John. So that, that, hang on, uh, that was Centennial Park. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Merksy, uh, as yes. we, we are all about balance, right of I'm reply. So, I'm so. sorry. Merksy? I, I, I don't know what to say. I might have to cut this bit out. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, yeah you've hurt Merksy. Oh, uh, come on. It's, I mean, on the internet, they call it a thirst trap. Like, he, he giving the fans what they want. Right. Otherwise, he would just wear clothes, oh, right? Oh, my goodness. Wow. 
Wow. Okay. All right. Um, just just put something in the chat, Merksy. We'll talk about it later. Now, this, <laughs> I'm only joking. So he was running around Centennial Park in <laughs> Sydney. Um, you, you wouldn't be able to tell me what kind of shoes he was wearing or whether he was wearing sunglasses or a cap or anything mm-hmm. else because he has, mm-hmm. had his yeah sun's out. But he had a heart rate monitor on. He did have a heart rate. Okay. Um, he did. Now, look, around I the was chest. thinking, oh, <laughs> I think this conversation started with, um, with Christmas presents yeah. and, and I naturally... Um, took it off course. Um, I can tell you that I wouldn't think for me a heart rate strap is not on the Christmas list. Uh, but I do like to get a little bit creative. And you know what else I like to do, Joel? What? I like to drag the non-cycling people in my life into cycling. Yes. Kicking and screaming. That's what you've done and with me so and I love it. I have. And so I've I've had a little bit of a deep dive um, through the Bike Bug website. Okay. Uh, because we've got a discount code, Wheelhouse, gets you 10% off. Who doesn't want a bargain at Christmas? Uh, and I've come up with a list, if you will. I love um, this. Of Christmas gifts that are cycling themed, but could be appropriate for non-cycling people. Okay. For your secret Santas. Excellent. Merksy. Right. Um, sorry to interrupt. Can we just check something? Mm. When you saw Caleb with his rig out... Did you see that online or were you in Centennial Park? Because you're in Sydney now. Yes. I just wonder. He posted it on his Instagram reels. So you weren't That's in the park. to be a creeper. So you called an Uber <laughs> said, Centennial Park, pronto. Yeah. No. What a... <laughs> no, he put this out himself. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Merksy, are you satisfied? <laughs> we are all about balance, Merksy. Yeah, I don't know about this. We'll have to do some more investigations. Where was Kate? Yeah. Did you spot Kate? If you're in and around Centennial Park this week, <sighs> did you spot Kate? Come on now, fellas. Come on. <laughs> I would have been there. I love Centennial <laughs> yeah, Park. Yeah, you would have. Um, yes, indeed. Well, I'm going to bring us back on track. Because okay. I took us off track. So I'm dragging my non-cycling friends and family yes. into the Christmas spirit. All right? And I'm doing it through cycling-themed gifts. And uh, so I've gone on to, on to Bark Bug. The first thing on my list for a secret Santa for a non-cycling themed person um, is a park tool pizza cutter. <laughs> so you use the, the front wheel. Uh, it's, a, it's a bike. It looks bike like shape. a bike. Okay, the yeah. front wheel to cut the pizza. It's oh, a blade. Great. Right? Perfect. Is it endorsed Very by good. Remco Evenepoel, the former Pizza Hut it's boy? It's sure. It should be. Oh, they've I missed mean, a trick missed there. opportunity. Yeah. Right? Um, the next one on my list, uh, Joel, yeah. is a bell. Yeah. Because a lot of uh, states in Australia require a bell on any bicycle um, that looks like a drum symbol. Yes, I've seen this one. Uh, and, for any, and anyone you're a familiar, drummer. Yeah, for anyone to, familiar with the sticked arts, it's a, it's a splash symbol. It looks like a little splash. Oh. It's fantastic. I'd love like to rig it up to my kit. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see how um, it sounded. The splash is the uh, one that's like, whoosh, whoosh. I wonder if it sounds like that. Hello, Merxie. Uh, yes. Yeah, sorry to get off track. I was just looking up Bike Again. Bug and um, I thought we could get a shirt for Caleb to put on. <laughs> He's training. <laughs> it's a good shirt. Send him a shirt. Yeah. Perfect. You With a little Christmas card saying, Dear Caleb, oh put this gosh. on immediately. Yeah. Love, Merxie. What do you reckon, Kate? Good to see us. Um, I'm going to just keep moving because Please. I keep getting sabotaged. Like you make one comment about someone with their rig out. It was more than one comment. And all of a sudden it was true. Um, so the next one, and this might be appealing to both of you guys and 
potentially family members, uh, a Theragun vibrating mas- massage ball. Hang on. Sorry. Uh, oh, whoa, whoa, vib- whoa. whoa. What? A vibrating massage ball. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. By Theragun. Okay. Yeah. To relieve your sore muscles. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, your... you just turn it on and you roll on it. Great. That's yes, awesome. Yes. A massage well, we've a, a got massage one of the, gun. Um, yeah. We've got a massage gun at home and the yep. gun's great, but it's just, it's a ball. So there's another one. Um, the other thing I found, and this is a little bit more cycling themed, but I thought it was very cool, uh, is an advent calendar where each little box has a tool in it. So uh, Some sort of cycling, like a, a, a repair tool of some kind. Like it is, yes, yes. Okay, yes. And, their, their description says, oh, holy night, the tools are brightly shining. Oh, goodness. The tools are <laughs> brightly shining due to the massage yep. gun. Okay. Yep. I, I, you know so what we I, should? I mean, Joel, I would, yeah. yeah. Joel, is there something going on that I don't know about? There's a bit of a theme here, Bates. A little bit of a theme. A bit, I don't know. I'm very festive. You wait to hear about the advent calendar that we're developing, and it's basically that at the start of December, it's a fully clothed Caleb Ewan. Uh, but by the time you get to <laughs> December 31 and you've opened all the doors, you're back at Centennial Park, and it's magic. Yes. It's magic, isn't it? I think there's um there's there's a genre around that already that usually firemen yes. um, fill that genre. Those pens so. as well. well. Now we're on to firemen. <laughs> Move this along, Catherine. All right, it's the Wheelhouse <laughs> Podcast. It's episode 73. We need to get through it so we can all get down to Centennial Park. Now, um, a reminder, of course, that code is wheelhouse, all lowercase, 10% discount, bikebug.com. And as, as you say uh, very astutely, Catherine, it's not all serious cyclists. There's some peripheral cycling interest as well. If you're just yeah. learning or you're just you're admiring the sport, you, you can dabble with a pizza cutter or a massage Ball, ball, balling ball. massage gun, or a Caleb Ewan advent calendar. Oh, hang on, no, that doesn't exist yet. But um, one day, one day, right, Kate? <laughs> now, Kate, right, the Austral <laughs> yes. is coming up. Now, it's the world's oldest track bicycle race, uh, going back to 1887. It's a a wheel race, and I I've got one one pretty simple question for you. What's a wheel race? It's and I mean. Against its name, it's not actually a wheel, a race done on wheels. Uh, what it is is it's a <laughs> handicap event on the track. Um, and if you play golf or something, you know, you have a bit of an idea about what a handicap may be. But you have the best riders um, as ranked by the handicapper um, that start on what is called scratch, which was on is on the start-finish line. And they have to race the full distance of the event, which is usually 8 to 12 laps. And then everybody else, you know, down the ranking gets a mark and it may be 20 metres, it may be 40 metres, it may be 180 metres. And from that mark, they have a handler who pushes them off at the start. Uh, There are very strong rules, Joel. The handler may push but not run uh, because you can imagine in in the good old days, bad old days, the key to winning a handicap was having the best handler who could run you halfway around the track before catapulting you up to full speed. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> like they, um, like a dad with a with a you know when kids are learning to swim and they have their swimming races and the dads sort of help them through the water and you can tell yeah, they that, torpedo them the very exactly. ambitious dads you go come on yeah okay it's kind of like that yes all right it is and so therefore you can incorporate it's not just for a graders or elite you can incorporate all the grades because they get different marks um across the way it's it's quite 
a well-known traditional um, event in Australia. Um, they, they're called wheel races or handicap races, okay. uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. So the, the bigger the track, the harder it is because you can have an out marker um, right behind the scratch marker uh, and therefore nearly doing, you know, 400 metres less. But on a 250-metre track, the biggest handicap someone would have the out marker would be about 200 metres uh, realistically. And so then the best riders have to try and chase the uh, out markers and may the best rider on the day win. All right. It's quite a good format. Uh, Stephen Pate, uh, four victories, the the record holder, the all-timer. Yeah, That's he's good. a bit of a gun. It's he impressive. was um, one of our one of our great Olympians. But um, I, I want to point out that this is Australia's oldest um, race, but there's been a little controversy over the years, uh, Joel, uh, because back in 1901, um, an American fella, uh, he won, but there was some allegations of match fixing. Oh. That they waited waited for the back markers to then tow them back up, which happens but is technically illegal. Um, so Bill Martin, he he won from scratch, but people weren't too happy. Uh, and you can imagine back then there was a fair bit of gambling uh, that was associated yeah. uh, with such events. And so that is no longer the case. Uh, and so it's a little bit different now. But, um, yes, they used to win. How's this? Uh, 240 sovereigns. Oh, great. The uh, prize packet in 1898. Uh, and before that, they won a grand piano. A grand piano? Yeah. Wow. I'm not not sure how they transported said grand piano home. Um, not many people uh, would have had an easy way to transport a grand piano no. uh, in the 1800s, but yeah. You know, where there's not a the will, Not the most though. practical prize. Where there's a will. Um, you know someone yes, who could carry yes. it on their back? Mm. Caleb Ewan. Let's be honest, a shirtless back. Well, he'd uh, definitely need, um, yeah, but if it was sweaty, it would slide off. He'd need a shirt for that. So I love that. He doesn't uh, get my vote. A grand piano, you get 10 head of yeah. cattle and three pieces of hack silver. Congratulations and thanks for racing. <laughs> All right, that's the Austral race. Yeah. Now, let's. you mentioned some American involvement there. Let's stay with mm. America and hello to all of our... Uh, listeners in the United States, of course, we're going to talk about a bit of a groundbreaker um, from uh, around the same era. Now, this is uh, this is great. Now, this is not easy to get a congressional honour uh, over in America. Trust me, I've been trying for years. It's really, really difficult. <laughs> you need to win a few World Cups or do something pretty special or be Tom Brady. But we're going back to a guy who's not who's not with us anymore, otherwise he'd be about 100 and 400, 100 and 400, there you go, there's a new number. Okay. Um, Marshall yes. Major Taylor, an African-American cyclist born all the way back in 1878 and the first genuine superstar of US cycling, Kate. Yeah, he was the first African-American to be a world champion in any sport uh, and it was in cycling in the sprint. Uh, and so he was world-renowned at the time, but he never really got uh, his honour um, in the US, which is a real shame, I think, that course, yeah. uh, that incredible achievement kind of blurred off in, in the history of the sport in America. Um, but it's really cool, his story. They've made a few movies over the time about it um, that you can jump on the on the interwebs and, and find all of the different iterations of that. But to get a congressional gold medal is a massive thing, like you said. It's not like a presidential honour where they just uh, hand it out and the president essentially signs off on a list. 
it has to go through Congress yep. and a bill get passed in order for it to happen. And so there has to be really broad um, bipartisan support. And so if this happens and it looks like it will, um, this will be a major thing um, for African-American athletes uh, and certainly for the family and the memory of Marshall Major Taylor. So pretty cool. I love it. You know, and I think that um, the history of track cycling is so rich and so often we're talking about the road events and the Tour de France and all this sort of thing. But track is such a beautiful uh, discipline in and of itself and with such a rich, rich history. So this is a cool one. Yeah, it, it a is. A feel-good one. It, it genuinely is. And the first, as you say, first African-American uh, world champion in any sport whatsoever. And I just think yeah. you, you have to mention during these eras and obviously decades past this, this honour, and I hate to say this, but it, it wouldn't have been possible because there's no way that an honour to an African-American mm. would have gone through like this, which is disgusting, of course. But I just, I just hat tip to any athlete from those, those times. I'm talking, you know, the, the Jesse Owens of the world and whatnot that managed to rise mm-hmm. above the bullshit and excel uh, with absolutely zero support, zero assistance. It's not just in, you know, um, those sports, but it's it's so good to know that cycling had a, had a people's champion like that as well. And it, look, long overdue, let's be honest. It's 125 years overdue, um, but that recognition, let's hope that that gets, does yeah. does get through because that's, that's legend status uh, in my book. A, a, a renowned sprinter mm. as well. So I can, I can really relate to him as a... As a sprinter myself, not a sprinter. That's a that's a terrible lie. But, Indeed. Uh, <laughs> sprinting well, for the, know, uh, the, yeah. the coffee, the cafe. That's about it at the end of the ride. Now, <laughs> Our regular wheelhouse anime is over there, aren't you, Jolie? You know it. You know it. Bring on the pace. <laughs> Bring on the pace and the splinters from the stacking it on the velodrome. Now, mm. uh, hat tip to Marshall Major Taylor, 100%. I, I really, really like it. Now, Kate, um, I'm just, just to let you know now, that I'm just looking for a little bit of a side hustle over summer. Um, obviously, just okay. to sort of keep the coffers, you know, cost of living mm. and all that sort of thing. And I've seen a job out. I'm, I'm going to have a go at it, but it might mm. mean that I'm away for a few records, um, if that's okay. I, okay. Yeah. I mean, what are we what are we talking about here? Well, what you, you and Merksy can talk about this in the anti-Joel group chat, or me and Merksy can talk yeah, about good. it in the anti-Merksy yeah. group chat. Or no, the anti-Kate, or you and I can talk about it in the anti-Merksy, whatever that is. I don't know, however that works. But I'm going to become the chef for Lotto Destiny next year. The head chef. Right. Like like Anna Mears is the chef for the Olympics? Like the chef de mission? Like the no. the boss of no, the, the chef, stuff? The cook. I'll be the, the, the cook. The cook. I'll be, they are looking for a sh- they're looking for yeah. a chef for season 2024 to accompany the team to re- reach uh, proposed future goals working very closely with dietitians and other members of the team. Now, I just want to run through what you need to do. You need to send out a shopping list to the hotels before races to make sure they have what you need to make your stuff. So for me, it's like, can you give, uh, you know, three three dozen sausages, a couple of loaves of bread and some onions? Easy, tick. Uh, the Makes ma- sense. Sports menu. The menu will be created by sports dietitians. Suggestions from the chefs are, are always welcome. So they'll be like, you know, pasta, 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 quarter pounder, pasta, pasta, three-piece box, pasta, pasta, supreme, thin crust. Easy. That's done. That's doable. Mm. Uh, you'll need to travel to training camps and races to prepare meals for the riders. Take a microwave. Take an air fryer. Here you go, guys. Chicken nuggets for you today. Um, sausage rolls. But I just want to run it by you guys because it does mean mm. I'll be off base, off station a little bit. We can do the odd cross, though. 
Mm. Well, I mean, I think the first thing I'll point out there, Joel, is it sounds like the nutritionist will be setting the menu and not you uh, and your suggestion of nuggies and quarter pounders and thin crust. So, look, that makes you more um, adaptable, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. uh, I did notice um, that there were two requirements. Um, one was that you have a diploma as a chef. So how are we going on that? Semantics. Easy. Don't worry about okay. it. Okay. Uh, and the other one was that you are flexible. Uh, now, it wasn't clear about what they meant by flexible, um, but just checking, can you touch your toes? Uh, yeah, yeah, very well. Yeah, extremely okay. flexible. Yeah. So flexible, tick, um, yeah. chef's diploma, you know, TBC. Here, here, I've got it right here. See, there it is. You saw it? Yeah, that's all you need to see. Hello, Merksy. Okay, did you have a chef on your teams? What was the food like? You said it was crap. We did not. Uh, we certainly did not know. The, the food was generally crap because you were relying on uh, the hotels or wherever you may have been um, to get food. We did, every time we raced in Spain, I'm not kidding, every single meal uh, was rice with an egg on top and then some pasta sauce. Uh, I loved it for a while. If I never eat that again in that combination, I'll be fairly happy. Yep. Uh, when we rocked up to most races in Italy, the races fed us. Uh, so you would go, you know, hours before the race started for a pre-event meal. Uh, usually in Italy, that was a giant ball of mozzarella and some cured meat, um, which I must say is delicious. Not sure how well it fueled me for the race, but very delicious. Uh, and then sometimes a, a bowl of um, bland pasta. I tell you so, what, though, that's you know, not a lot of diversity. The, the first idea that you put in my head then, when you said the food was all crap, and I was like, I didn't realise. Are you talking about the quality of the food or the actual food itself was crap? Yeah, sure, but no, yes. it wasn't. It wasn't crap. It was just poor quality, is what you're saying. Now, now, sure. Yes. Well, look, I think that the uh, mozzarella and cured meats is delicious, um, but possibly not really um, great sitting in your stomach when you're about to race. Hmm. Um, but yeah, we just didn't have. We were going to restaurants and hoping that we could find what we wanted and often um, you didn't. And you are quite particular with what you want to eat. And a lot of yep. uh, riders, not only around the caloric value, both for energy purposes and making sure you're getting your calories out of the right foods and um, the ones that will fuel you, but simply even having to wait for meals to be ordered and to come, it certainly wasn't ideal. And that's evolved a lot. How good that they have a chef. I mean, I have to be honest with you, Joel, this might be really hard to hear. Um, I don't think it's for you. I don't. Uh, not sure that you'll you'll get the job if you go for it. Um, but yeah, good luck. I've been doubted before. I, I'd like to say to you: Do you remember that that junior coach who said to you, "Give it up, Kate. Don't worry about it. Uh, don't focus on riding bikes. Focus on well, other that's things." That's true. Yeah, I'm gonna, that's true. Yeah, that that that's, that's I'm now that coach. That's, that's you've just become that coach. Okay. I apologise. I'm going to put go an application it, and see how we go. I support you. Thank you. <laughs> Merksy will write you a reference. <laughs> All right. Good morning, everyone. Baked beans on toast yet again for the whole team. Uh, let's do it. Now, mm. Catherine, uh, you are right. I won't be getting that job. Merksy might. Merksy's a very dab hand on the barbecue, he especially. Is. So we'll see. Now, mm. some hilarious news to finish the Wheelhouse podcast, episode 70-something-something. Something. Kate, now, the return of an annual Scottish tradition that absolutely ignites social media is the naming of the nation's slow plows and salt trucks <laughs> which is it's like in uh, in brisbane when they uh, i think it was sydney actually when they said let's help us name a new ferry 
and the name that won was Bodie McBoatface. And it's like, oh. that's what you get. That's what you get. That's what you get mm. for trying to get pe people to be serious about something like that. This is, this is along those lines. Some of the names that they've given to slow plows and salt trucks in Scotland, which they can now hilariously watch online. So they're labelled with their fun names and they can watch them crawling across the map. It's outstanding. It is outstanding. Why is this relevant, you might ask? I mean, beside the fact that we're a very fun, fun podcast and this is pretty funny, uh, this year the honour has been bestowed upon a cyclist yes. to be uh, in this, and that is um, Sir Chris Hoy. Uh, now, he has been um, repurposed for the naming of these, and he is Sir Grits Hoy. Sir Grits Hoy. Snowplow is Sir Grits Hoy. Uh, or maybe assaulting awesome. a salting I don't know. I don't know how we d differentiate, but there's some <laughs> there's some very cool names. Uh, Joel, we've got Gritney Spears. <laughs> like that. Okay. Um, yeah. We've got Spready Mercury. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Spready Mercury. Yes. Very good. Uh, we've got Carrie Bradthor. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yep. Which I like. Uh, I've come up with another cycling themed one um, for the magnificent young female athlete who's bursting onto the world um, tour at the moment. And the snowplow shall be called. Snowy Backstead. Snowy Backstead. There you go. <laughs> I'm sure you're listening or watching Snowy. Hat tip to yes. you. You've made it. You've made it. You've got yes. a snowplow named yes. after you. I, I love this one. Oh, I love, I love uh, it. Sweet Child O'Brien. <laughs> that is also very yeah. funny. Well, you know, one of um, my favourite, I shouldn't admit this, but uh, my favourite de-stressing things to watch uh, on the interwebs is not only lawn mowing videos, which are fantastically calming, um, but also rug cleaning videos, Joel. And uh, one of the rug cleaners um, in this rug cleaning genre um, is called Dirt Reynolds. Oh, boom. See? Yeah, that's awesome. How good is it? So, yeah, look, I, I think that this can also be a yearly tradition for us um, to come up with. I mean, we've, we've got Snowy Backstead this year, but we've got a year to come up with another one for next year. Uh, Maybe yes. some of our, uh, our our community can help us with some inspo on that one. Well, I'll tell you what, if, if Snowy Backstead is your starting point, wow, mm. things are going to get <laughs> yeah, yeah. really good. Mm -hmm. Where are we going with yeah, this? That's it. That's <laughs> outstanding. Uh, Catherine, an honour, a pleasure and a privilege. Thank you. Um, I'm just going, I've got to, I've got to run. I've got to go put my CV and cover letter together for the new job application. Excellent. It's been outstanding. Yes. You need to get down to Centennial as well, I believe. <laughs> um, Merckx yes, has already um, left. He's on his way down yes. to Centennial. Yeah. Uh, I think Merckx is uh, on bike bug ordering one of the yeah. giant vibrating massage Theragun <laughs> balls. Yeah. The balls, I mean, sorry, the massaging ball. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. It's been fun. It's episode 73. It's the Wheelhouse Podcast. It's the off-season. Uh, it's easily digestible. It's mostly factual. Please like, share, subscribe. Tell everyone you want or everyone you can, Catherine. Uh, until next time, au revoir. Until next time, au revoir. There will be tinsel next time. Yeah, there's going to be a decorated podcast. There will be so tinsel. Look out for that. Mm. I don't think there will be a next time. <laughs> Boom. We'll see. Bye, everyone. <laughs>